Watch, Singer uses deepfake AI to transform into Bowie, Trump, and Zuckerberg. The next web eight hours ago. Anonymous View. Musician Stephen Wilson's deepfake video for his single Self raises questions about online identities and digital resurrection. Music and myth, silence and AI. BBC 30 days ago. Anonymous view. We explore luminosity in music as part of Radio 3's season, violinist Hilary Hahn, and the roboticist and expert on artificial intelligence Carol Riley, Hoof. North American online music streaming market size, share, growth, research, and forecast 2020 to 2026. Openper.com 11 days ago. Anonymous View. The North American online music streaming market is anticipated to grow at a considerable CARG of 16.8 during the forecast period 2020-2026 the market. This AI created 152 gem songs. Metal injection 27 days ago. Anonymous view. Martinson's AI created 152 different gent songs that, in my free time, aside from working on music-related stuff, I love to play around with. The triple threat in OTT streaming has arrived with Viesel TV, Vumu Music, and Viesel Studios. Interpress service 10 days ago. Anonymous view. The streaming era has finally arrived. Everything is about to change, and at center stage is Usual Media Corp, winner for Innovation 2021, Brand Laser Award received. Grimes' new music is on the way, and it may arrive sooner than you think. Alternative Press five days ago. Anonymous View. During a recent fan Q&A, Grimes offered an update on how far along she is with her next album, and when fans can expect to hear. Grimes and Endel bring their AI-powered sleep sounds to Android. Engadget on MSN.com 8 days ago. Anonymous View. Endel announced that it had partnered with Grimes for a special The Soundscape inside its music app, which is meant to help you focus, relax or fall. North American online music streaming market research and forecast 2020 to 2026. Market Watch 11 days ago. Anonymous View. Jan Heraldkeepers, the North American online music streaming market is anticipated to grow at a considerable CARG of 16.8% during the
Mozart's obsession with numbers. He loved numbers. As an adult, Mozart's obsession with numbers didn't wane. He would scatter numbers throughout his letter to family and friends. What's the next number in the sequence? 5, 10, 20, 30, 36? You'll identify 43 as a number that comes after 36 in the sequence. These are the opening lines of the marriage of Figaro, sung by Figaro as the measures out the room that he would share with Susanna once they're married. As a curious selection of numbers that, when added together, comes to 144 or 12 squares, perhaps a coincidence or maybe a numerical representation of the impending union of Figaro and bride Susanna. And the next, this, 640, 231, 191, the sequence continues with 1003, the number of Don Giovanni's female conquests in Spain. While the numbers are part of the famous catalog, aria sung by Leporello, Don Giovanni's servant, which include his other conquests, 640 in Italy, 231 in Germany, 100 in France, 91 in Turkey, the curious string of number 109, Five zero six zero four three seven zero eight two appears in a letter to his wife Castanz. Castanz told a biography after Mozart's death about his love of arithmetic and algebra. Once decoding that he has offered of a sequence suggests we add 10, 9, 5, 50, 60, 43, 70, plus 80 to get 324, which is 18 squared. Again, like the opening of figure expressing the bond and love between Mozart and Constance. He signed himself another letter as friend of the house of numbers. The magic flute is the most laden with symbolism with numerical imagery. The opera is full of Masonic symbols, which in turn are underpinned by mathematics. Number three, number five. The opera is also full of pairs, day and night, fire and water, Osiris and Isis, gold and silver, sun and moon. Please call him! Please call him! Call him!
the hell's he doing in here anyway? Let me ask you this regarding programming and music. How, how do you think artificial intelligence is um, changing music? Because now they have algorithms that play the songs on the radio. They shuffle them, yeah. right? They have algorithms. In my opinion, it's not good because it takes up the human era of, you know, selecting your own music. It's like, what's the point of then, um, what's the point of, uh, uh, where's, where's the human element of choosing your own music or, or, or playing your own music? If you're doing something like that, it's, you might as well just have a, a jukebox, if you will, or electronic jukebox. Okay. It's my own opinion. Everybody else has their own. Everybody thinks that DJs are uh, these days uh, robots, and that's bull. They're not jukeboxes. Do you know? Did you know that years ago Spotify was caught uploading hundreds of artists that were AI, they hundreds of hours of music, and they didn't have to pay any royalties. Yeah. And then people find over a bunch of people. Well, they were algorithms that they made, the music. What'd you think about that? I don't I don't like it at all. I don't. Um, everybody can you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I personally don't think it's fair. Somebody to, recently wrote a paper to about to existing, AI. Uh, to existing uh, mm-hmm. artists these days. I don't think it's fair that artists like that they would do they would do things like that, but Hey, if they want to save money and not pay any type of artists uh, any royalties for the usage of their music, go ahead. They can do it. But I'll guarantee you right now, five years down the line, they're not going to they're not going to survive. Because you have to have artists in order to produce it or to have music on the radio. It's not necessarily everything's going to be computer based music in that aspect. Yeah. Well, um, my own opinion. they have I mean, they have AI. Normal. They have AI that now studies these artists, and they study Billie Eilish and uh, Frank Sinatra. I'm not kidding you, Chopin, everything. It studies it, and the machine does a bunch of learning on thousands of songs, and then it can create create the songs, create the algorithms that then create these hits. What do you think about that? I don't like that because if you're copying, you might as well just because just make music straightforward. Then why copy? Well, it's some people say it's not copying; it's the machine is learning. Is a learn is a, is a machine a human being? No. Then uh, that would say no. I don't think it is right, in my opinion. Then again, we are living in a computer. Uh, age now, so we can't really do much. I mean, look at look at what sports are now these days. Everything is analog uh, driven by analytics. I mean, baseball used to be a straightforward sport, as an example, uh, where you could hit balls everywhere in the in the outfield. Now, since the shift came into play, uh, and also analytic based numbers came into play. You're basically taking the element of competition out of the game. Same thing goes with with music. 
if you're going to take out the competition out of the game, might as well just take out all the people out there and just do it all completely computer AI. I mean, it upsets me. What? When, okay, I know it upsets you, and I'm asking you, and I'm not. I'm trying to be objective. I'm just but trying just, to say. I'm just making a point. My point is basically of this is that if it's going to be like that, then it's going to. It's not going to. It's not going to completely run all the way. Would you? Would you be surprised if I told you that there's music that you're hearing on the radio right now? Would you be surprised? Would you be? Would you be surprised if I told you that some of that music was made by AI and you might not well, know yeah, that? That's normal. That, that, that I know about already. I know there's quite a few artists that are not exactly artists. That are basically just one-ups. They just put them on there because just for the uh, uh, you know they just create it and put it on on the radio. That's normal. I've seen that now. Or heard about it. No, I should say too. Does that bother you? No. No. Well, I mean, it's we're living in 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 that age now, where we're going to get to the point where computers going to control us, and it's already halfway there with the phones. You know what some people say about AI and music? Some people say, yeah, but didn't you know this was going to happen when the computer started coming into the studio and people started using Pro Tools and people started putting effects and looping things? Didn't we, well, know, didn't we know this was going to happen? We advanced, we, I consider that like an advance in what we were doing uh, of editing by cutting tape or reel-to-reel tapes and making edits that way, the old-fashioned way, where it would take almost two hours to do much edit. Now computers have taken that out to almost to a second, to a nanosecond. So I just don't see where they're saying that's, you know, that's what it is now. It's not. It's We just advanced a little bit better to make things quicker Hence, work out now. Look out, we're we're using computers instead of you know cutting our own tapes, if you will, to make a simple edit or a simple adjustment if you, on a track. So, and and they fed it hundreds of hours. They did this to Beethoven too, and then they made the computer made a new song, and um, it fooled people. And when you listen to it, it's really good. And the computer can also learn the Beatles. Okay? It can make it... So if the record executive says, look, okay, this spring we want a Beatles kind of song. We want people to feel better because it's the pandemic, etc. They, they, the computer can generate it. And then the lyrics and everything. And you're like, whoa. You know, the computer learned the inflections of the voice and the way the guitar sounds. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know, remember that? Remember, uh-huh. remember that? The distorted guitar? The computer learns all that stuff. And then it creates a new song where you're like, it's kind of sounds like, but it's not. It's different. What's that? <laughs> oh, um, 
um, threatened by the the phonograph when it first came out. You know, no. when 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 the phonograph record. Not really much. No. Not really. I mean, I thought they were just uh, you know amazed. What, well, was, what was coming out. But when it first came out, there were people, there were skeptics that said it was going to replace musicians and all this. True. True. They also said that also about um, artists with, with actual bands or bands with uh, DJs. Yeah. And they, DJs are still here, artists are still here, bands are still around. They just don't do as much as like they used to. Society now. I yeah. mean, our society now is in the music uh, industry is very um, crazy right now because of this pandemic. We're we're, we're <sighs> try this on precise. Tell me this is not crazy. Facebook, along with other uh, social platforms are considering to remove the DJ disc jockey not to be considered a professional uh, a profession I should say really yeah why is this they think that they're not really uh, people that are considered to be uh, uh, to do anything or of any consequence or provide anything for society these days. Well, in my humble opinion, that's bull. They do a lot. If it wasn't for them, they wouldn't break any, they wouldn't have any records, let alone they wouldn't have any music, they wouldn't have anything that would be considered hot and fresh and new. So where does that, where is this other stuff coming from? That they're saying that it's not... Uh, it's not a profession. Yeah. They did for like a little bit there, for like about, almost about a month and a half, between Twitter and Facebook. There, uh, in England uh, and in the European Union, they tried to do that with a lot of DJs. No. No. And they never did. They never got close to it because of the pandemic. The pandemic is now starting to get better overseas. And I'm thinking probably because they, they instituted the vaccines already. Oh, but that way. So yeah, what I'm saying is what is, what is now Facebook? We're, now, we're able to get, get, uh, now they're able to get gigs in London started. Their clubs, as far as a club situation like Fabric. And a few others like that. Those are starting to come back into play. That's the thing that I was thinking that was going to happen next, or just take off the name off of it, uh, the the letters DJ off of him as professionals. And I'm thinking to myself, um, have you guys actually thought the shit out at all yet? <laughs> I mean, they're forcing him to go to places like Twitch. Um, oh, I can't think of the other one. There was one other, uh, other, uh, oh, Mixcloud, mm. YouTube, and so on, other venues, other uh, streaming sites, and then making them pay for it to utilize their service. And 
And mixed pods carriers that can do that. They, they, they've got a ASCAP and BMI licenses that allows them to do the streaming. No issues, no worries because they pay the royalties. Twitch is having their issues right now. Twitch is mainly a video gaming site. And then DJs start to say, well, why can't we use their service for something more than just video games? So they started putting their their DJ sets and their streams and what have you on that site. And thus, uh, now Twitch is having their issue almost close to starting to do what uh, they're thinking about limiting, like what Facebook did uh, with their site. And as far as streaming is concerned, the funny part about it is, is that I can't believe they're doing this and no more than seven to 10 months ago, they were literally begging people to stream Jeez. on their site. They make me and I saw it with the promotions in March, April and May. They were literally pushing them to, to, to stream uh, sets on their, on their site. And then no more than maybe six months later, they tried to force them to take them off or started to take them off in October. No, that's not, that's not going to fly for me. I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, yeah. That's not right. That's like, that's too basic. Or it's almost like what you call having your cake and eating it too. Well, and then you, you know, yeah. or, or being an Indian giver. Yeah, I I don't like it. I don't like the censorship and all that. I can't, I can't that. stand it. I can't stand what they did. I mean, I mean, why the why the heck would you promote or or push people to promote that way and stream their stuff since we can't go anywhere? But then all of a sudden, since people started opening up again, you're not going to allow anybody to stream it all again. That's not right. I didn't know about Twitch doing this. Wow. Yeah, Twitch is starting to become is starting to get getting feeling heat from the RIAA. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, RIAA. Really? Yeah, because of and the I I F P I as well because of copyright reasons. Mm. Yeah, people, copyright. Yep, those darn copyrights. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, I can always tell them, okay, you know, here, these nuts. <laughs> of this is that, um, I don't, I, I, here's the funny part about it. I don't have never, have never streamed anything yet on Facebook. And what's ironic is that recently the last, uh, you know, and then like the last few weeks, people have been asking me, when are you going to stream, when are you going to stream? I'm like, I'm not. Don't waste your time. They're going to shut you down. Exactly. And I'm not That's being negative. I'm trying to make. I would rather uh, start my own site, put it through that, than what I've got going right now, which is basically nada on Facebook. And some people have gotten as far as 20 minutes, okay? And then they'll shut you down. Right. right. So. No, but it is the algorithm 
reader will will uh, will pick up the the track. And if it's a copyrighted track, boom, shop, <laughs> shop the stream. I can tell you for certain. At the Mercury Theatre, during our lunch breaks in between putting our musicals and plays, we listen to Man Behind the Machine podcast, full of cosmic information, information you never knew existed, artificial intelligence, digital pixelizations, intriguing insightful musical representations the audioscape you hear on man behind the machine podcast is certain to make your mind baffled and that's coming from me orson wells no it's not a bluff it's real hello general berenger stephen falcon Falcon, you picked a hell of a day for a visit. Uh, uh, General, what you see on these screens up here is a fantasy, a computer-enhanced hallucination. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm all good. How are you? I just got done with some soup. Yeah, I want a, I want a cheese, cheeseburger with bacon, please. Okay. And a That's a baconator? And a, <laughs> and a large fry. And a Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as in the guy in... Uh, in Back to the Future, I want a, I want a, a Pepsi free. He goes, "Hey, pal, you gotta pay for that." <laughs> he goes, "What will you have?" He goes, "I'll have a Pepsi free." He goes, "No, nah, you gotta pay for that." Okay, coffee or water? Play, what were they playing at Studio 54 back in the day when you played? What were they playing there? Um, three or four different styles. Uh, disco, some rock that's danceable, some funk, and even in some cases some jazz. And uh, like the one time that once, um, once Rubel got caught and then got uh, back out, Again, uh, battling the income tax evasion charge, he played for a pretty much a good chunk of the night my way. The same record over and over and over again by Frank Sinatra. That's what I'm looking for. Just despicably, first, mostly, we got to show that I'm going to beat this mother. <laughs> I was like, and that shelty, he did. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and neither neither did uh, Ian Schrager. So when did they stop playing disco? Actually, disco has never died. It just went underground. After I, 80, uh, it went underground. Okay. A lot of people think it's the other way around. No, it never died. It went underground. It's like techno. What happened after it got popular? Went underground. <laughs> so... Weren't weren't some of those disco productions where they use orchestras? Yeah, but after eighty, they stopped uh, doing that. Why? Because the mini got invented. That's why. Oh. The sequencer. So everything um, didn't need to be done with orchestras anymore. We could do it digitally, or the beginning of, of the urban uh, t- uh, urban electronics yeah. came into. That also could be a factor. So MIDI killed the disco orchestra? Um, in that aspect, yeah. <laughs> but then they didn't have to deal with live te- uh, technology, uh, live um, per- in- instrumentation or percussion. And uh, everything can be uh, done, um, what do you call it? Um, can be done electronically, well, technically electronically, but in their aspect was still the same to me. And it just made it easier uh, to sequence out your beats, sequencing them out with the uh, orchestra. Right, and so then you're Georgia Moroder, and then you need Harold Faltemeyer to help you, right? For the most part, yeah. So then, then you need the technological hurdle. Right, to make the disco. Correct. And they still even churned it. They still churned it. Um, they still made it. It just was underground. A lot of the good example of that would be anything on labels like West End, Prelude, uh, uh, let's see, West End, Prelude, uh, Sleeping Bag, Fresh, all these obscure labels I never heard before until I got to York, and um, different other sounds. And then Tommy Boy started to come into play around '81 with the Johnson Crew mm-hmm. and Africa Bombada and the Soul Sonic Force. Uh, that implemented uh, electro or breakdance. But then, it, but but, but what? At what point did Italo disco and disco diverge? Uh, Italo started being produced around eighty one or eighty eighty one, and um, a lot of it was featured right around or came into play over here in, in the states about. 80, late 81, early 82. Okay. And, and BPM range for that would be about between 112 to mm-hmm. as high as 126 at the time. Um, then uh, Canada, specifically Montreal and uh, 
Montreal or, or the Quebec area um, started producing high energy, mm. or, which was just coined as Canadian high energy, which would be like groups like Lime, groups like uh, Kathmandu, artists like uh, Mr. Flaggio. Band. Um, which one? What the hell's the other one? Uh, Quebec Electric, which was Gino Socio. That's uh, that was him under that name. Oh, okay. And cool. Um, he had that famous track uh, under that name, War Dance. Everybody still plays to this day. I'm actually shocked that it still plays really? to this day. Pure hundred and twenty nine BPM monster. <laughs> Hmm. I still love that track. What about Patrick Cowley? There's no words to it. What about Patrick Cowley? That's he. He also figures into the high energy movement out of, out of from Canada, and then he got somehow swung in and um, funneled down into states, uh, into the uh, United into the United States through the West Coast through San Francisco, which then became a hub. Uh, started to become a hub for the United States for high uh, with artists like Patrick Cowley, Sylvester, uh, Two Tons of Fun, um, Patrick Parker, and others like that um, that were on a label called Megatone that was out of San Francisco. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Freaking tough, I'm telling you. It's like very, very deep because then little by little things were starting to swing over that way. Yeah. And then little by little things were starting to put out. Then all of a sudden you see artists like uh, people like Miguel Brown uh, that made the track So Many Men, as an example. Uh, and, you know, Marsha Raven uh, just come out of nowhere. Uh, also label out of Italy that started putting out high energy, which really was disco. Uh, um, label called Passion mm-hmm. Records. Very, very good label. Um, Il Scato, Il Scato, uh, Il Scato 8, um, Il Scato 8, which is basically Italian uh, disco label, put out shitloads of remix of tracks and remixes. Of uh, tracks like uh, Doctor's Cat, Feel the Drive. Um, tracks like um, <sighs> Catch Me, I'm Falling by Marshall Raven is an example, another example. I love that. Uh, yeah. It's just unreal. I mean, some of the good, there were some really, really good, okay. fast tracks. I know you know this one, Born to Be Alive. Who sang that? Yeah, that, that's Patrick Hernandez. Yeah, I love that song. That. What's ironic is that that is an American-based track, but it was released importantly originally. Oh, really? And then CBS picked it up and then finally put it out. It was on. Uh, it was out of uh, Brazil, ironically, I believe. Uh, the first press it was, and then they bought it off of uh, CBS. Bought the rights to it and they put it out in America. Mm-hmm. Huge hit. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that some of these things, there are records that are out there that were huge hits here in the States. However, 
they were mostly uh, stuff that never got originally started here, which is really weird. Sure. Um, and then you had that cyclical nature of every year in the summer, like in Italy and in Europe and Greece, you would have the hits that would come, right? Yeah. Right before the end of summer, you'd pretty much know who was the hit maker. Um, there was that cyclical nature of the dance beats. Is, was that kind of consistent in the 80s? And... Well, I yeah, but up until about, say, 83, then everybody was trying to focus on more on, uh, you know, alternative-based music or 80s music, like uh, rock-based stuff, like uh, David Bowie's Modern Love, for example, mm -hmm. um, tracks like uh -huh, by, um, Take On Me. Love that they song. Focusing on music of, of alternative nature, but still 80s. And they were considering it pop, even though it was alternative. But they didn't call it alternative. Well, you that had yeah that Brit that British synth pop, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it what it became out of. Yeah. Yeah, you had these guys that were producing music, like in Liverpool, places in England, you know, mm -hmm. and they brought that well, synthesizer. Came out, of London, out of England, out of, out of the UK. Yeah. Played most of their music, and they still actually do it to this day. Um, a lot of the originals as well as the uh, newer updated remixes of them, of those tracks. The wax tracks? The wax tracks is what you're talking about? No, 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 no. I'm saying in general. I'm saying in general. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the DJs and uh, radio uh, personnel program these styles of music, those styles of music, uh, those 80s tunes. Uh, most of them were programmed into the uh, the playlist of what, what most of these uh, stations were back then in the 80s. Right. And well, then you brought up Wax Tracks, and I would say they also were involved, but they were very, very underground. Mm -hmm. A lot of good music back then, and a lot of fresh, um, upbeat, and sometimes aggressive music. Yeah. Don't understand why they stopped uh, going that route, but I'm thinking that hip hop had something to do with it. Okay. Being such a fresh new style of of music they had to push along with the alternative and along with other stuff that relates to or they considered pop back then. Yeah, and that's why I never really got that synthesis of the rock and the hip hop. I didn't get into that when they did like Anthrax, collaborated with Run DMC. No, that, that's, that's straight up uh, metal. I know, I rock. just didn't like it. I didn't like that they were trying to push the synthesis. You know, it's it just like, let me enjoy my right. 80s, you know. Instead it did not of, sound right at all. Some of those tracks, like Anthrax with Public Enemy example, it did not fit. There were a couple that were good, but other than that, that 
did not fit in my opinion. Even though technically it was the first it was the first rap rock deck, it wasn't. Run DMC and Aerosmith was the first rap rock one. And you know what's interesting? I've in in some of the synth pop documentaries I've seen over the years, a lot of these guys give credit to Human League, Orchestral Maneuvers oh, yeah. in the Dark, and even Gary Newman says we looked at Human League and what they were doing in Liverpool in England. They were pushing that progressive sound. That was that was the progressive back then in the eighties. You know, and um, Visage. You know, it's the synth pop era. They had every, everything that was coming out uh, had a lot of synthesizer involved. Uh, don't matter what type of synthesizer you used, you you had some type of usage of of some type of keyboard or synthesizer in general in into your tracks at that time. Uh, hence, why I call it the synth era, a synth pop era. Yeah. 82, 82, 84, 85. Between there. Really used like crazy. And, um, you know, going back to the 2020 era, we got to remember, rest in peace, Dave Medusa. Yeah. You know, he pushed a lot of that sound, right? The Cure and the Ministry, you know. Anything related to following styles dark wave industrial EBM electric body move music not EDM EBM not IDM IDM came later yeah um EBM dark electro agrotech and um other smaller styles inside industrial and alternative and new wave in 80s music. Dave Medusa loved that and he wanted to showcase a lot of that outright at his venues, whether it be the one at school or the one in Elgin. He always wanted to uh, focus around those styles of music that were in some ways, neglected. In a lot of ways. Pet Shop Boys. Anything from Pet Shop Boys is good. Uh, Erasure. Uh, oh. Front 242. Ministry. Uh, my personal favorite, Meat Beat Manifesto. Yeah. Uh, Frontline Assembly. There's a lot of them that were out there. But they featured a lot over there at those at those venues that Dave had, uh, you know, had patrons come in and check it out and enjoy it. The thing that was really interesting was that the top level, which was more or less associated with videos, you don't see that anymore any any other club. No. No other club did that. They had like the bottom levels, mostly DJs and everything else, but the top level, they always left it as a video uh, room. So they had like a video screen and they have videos going almost all night. Yeah, and, and that, uh, isn't that something that Dave did? <sighs> Dave 
was the only one who did it. I mean, everybody else wow. never did anything like that. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Rest in peace. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, then the nineties came around, and then all bets were off. Everything changed. No, what it is is basically the uh, the acid house movement came into play around eighty seven, eighty eight, and. Uh, uh, Englanders were, or British were introduced to a pharmaceutical called ecstasy. And because of this, uh, a lot of things changed there and were created out of usage of The ecstasy movement changed everything. It uh, basically uh, opened up creative minds musically. The producer, no, did even DJ even while he was um, performing. When I heard Culture Club for the first time in the '80s, I said, "Who are these guys? I've never heard anything like this." Is that in that same new wave? Aren't they considered new wave? Yeah, they are. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. If they are not, then not. what are they? What should they be pigeonholed into? There, they were one of the original '80s bands that was during this movement. Yeah, kind of like Wham, George Michael's Wham. Remember those guys? And Wham was two people. It was not just George Michael. It was George Michael and Adam Wrigley, Rigsby. Oh. Um, and he mostly did a lot of the synth uh, uh, and beats in the background while George was doing the uh, during uh, doing some production and his uh, vocal arrangement for that group. Um, a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, I know I know of George being a uh, from Cyprus. He originally is from. But oh, he's he, Greek. Oh he's yeah, half, I forgot that. He's half Greek. Mm, he's half, he's Greek. half Greek, half Brit, uh, British. Oh, I, okay. But he mostly considers himself. Uh, he considers himself uh, a Cypriot, or from Cyprus, basically. Like in the Goodfellas, she said, "I heard you're half Jewish." She said, "Only the good half." <laughs> exactly. He passed away about three years ago, around Christmas. Did he? Okay. And uh, to this day, I still miss him a lot. I know there's a lot of you that do. So I'm hoping, um, I know that there are a lot of people still that keep his memory alive and, you know, with all these remixes and such and, you know, reissuing up his classics. I'm just hoping at some point down the line that there'll be someone like him or someone sort of in that vein that will release music again like like he did because i love this stuff yeah i mean i'm not saying that i'm a machine but i try to uh when i catch a vibe i'll end up going through it like like a night through butter the, the tunnel says that's in the area 
and we'll just go through it and and wherever the journey pushes me that's where it pushes me that's kind of like how i'm doing it now with my mix sense uh like telling stories in a book and i'm already at i am i'm already at uh chapter maybe 64. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got, I've got uh, the next mix that's coming out that I'm working on right now currently, which is Sheer Dominance. That should come out in about a week or two. Um, and then I also have another four-on-four type uh, mix set, which is uh, it's untitled currently. But um, I've got a good, got a good uh, what's the one I'm looking for? I've got a good... Uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, a little bit of everything, and, and, and um, it's like almost like a, a stew, and you have everything in in, in the pot. Yeah. And like it's like it's like a little bit of everything. Uh, it's like a soup mix. Kind of like, kind of like I'm doing a journey again, um, where I'll go from <clears throat> like early '80s to. Uh, building it up through the electro uh, to freestyle and, and early uh, Detroit techno. Yeah, what do you think about Fisher Spooner? You played? Have you ever played them? I have actually. I have a few tracks of theirs, and I love them. Uh, their stuff. I just haven't played enough of it, to be honest with you. Okay, we saw them yeah, live in Boston years ago. A lot more into techno sense. I saw them live in Boston years ago. They're pretty amazing. So, I've never heard them live. That's the only thing I can honestly say. Yeah? I've never seen them live. So you play that Fisher Spooner, that, that's what, new, new wave, right? New electro? No, actually, Fisher Spooner would be considered techno or electronic. Hmm. Well, in the general sense, it's techno, but it's electronic format. That's the best way I could do it, or electronica. Um, that's just how it is. Stuff. I mean, I like them. I like a lot of other ones. Like Pills is another artist that's really interesting. I like that. Um, you know what I was thinking of you the other day? I was going to send you the link. It's. Do you remember K W K R P in Cincinnati? Yeah, the the theme song. Well, yeah. There's an episode where. Dr. Johnny Fever's in the lounge yeah. on the couch, and the guy comes in, he changes the format to rock and roll. Anyways, it's a, it's a funny, it's a fun little nostalgic clip. Um, oh, and he goes, I don't have anything. And then he gave, handed him a bunch of records, and he said, here, play this. He goes, when? He goes, now. Start playing it now. So they switched the format to rock and roll. Anyways, I think they went from disco to rock. And right. that, that's how it is. The formats change. You wouldn't recognize B96 if you turned it on now from the 80s. You would not I recognize mean, it. I mean, when it was, when it was uh, B96, it was just B96, and it was just top 40 type of stuff. Kind of like what the mix is right now. But... Later on, 
around uh, 92, 93. Things, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, rephrase that. 1990 through 92, it started changing up, and then about 93 through 95 became Party Radio B96. Mm. It was basically almost like a what an updated version of BM WBMX used to be.
Thank you.